Welcome to the Unpacking It Charlotte podcast with Bryce Johnson. It's a show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with guests that have impacted the Charlotte sports landscape. Now, from the Unpacking It studios in Charlotte, uniting sports fans everywhere, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It Charlotte podcast. I'm Bryce Johnson. It's the show where we unpack sports, faith, and life. This is the official relaunch of the show in 2020, and we are fired up for a new format, a new approach as as we talk with with guests from Charlotte, and we'll discuss the the big sports stories involving the, the local teams here in Charlotte, and, and we'll also just use this as an opportunity to, to keep you updated on unpacking it and some of the great events that we have going on locally. And, and also, uh, you can check out our Unpacking It Charlotte Facebook group. Uh, just search Unpacking It Charlotte, and we have conversations on there as well. And, and then also be sure to subscribe to this podcast as well. Our next big event that's coming up is the Super Saturday Man Breakfast on February 1st. It's the day before the Super Bowl. It's taking place over at Central Church, and this year's panel includes LeVon Kirkland, former Pittsburgh Steeler, Andy Lee, the the punter for the Arizona Cardinals, and Corey Miller, uh, former South Carolina Gamecock and, and spent time in the NFL with the New York Giants. And, and so we're really excited to, to talk about the Super Bowl with them. We'll talk about their faith journeys, their, their lives, and, and it's just going to be a great morning. So go to unpackingit.com slash Super Saturday to register today and make sure that you secure your ticket uh, for that great breakfast and, and great event. Well, we've got a special guest in studio today, and actually he joined us at Super Saturday last year. And before we say hello to him, I want to thank our sponsors, Health Market Genius. Do you need health insurance? Well, get quotes for individual health insurance plans at healthmarketgenius.com. That's healthmarketgenius.com. Know your options. We're also brought to you by Paradigm 360 Coaching and Consulting. Well, let's say hello to our guest today. It's Michael Polardi, the punter for the Carolina Panthers. He played his college football from 2010 to 2013 at the University of Tennessee, where he was a kicker and a punter. Since going undrafted in 2014, he had stops in Oakland, St. Louis, Baltimore, Indy, Cleveland, and Atlanta, and he was cut or released 14 times before he finally landed as the Panthers' starting punter for the 2017 season. And in 2018, he signed a three-year contract extension. Most importantly, he's a husband, a father, and a follower of Jesus, and he joins us here in the Unpacking It studios. Mike, thanks for being with us, man. How are you? I'm great, man. How are you? I'm doing awesome and, and psyched for uh, just kind of the, the relaunch of the show and, and so thankful that, that you're a part of this uh, kind of debut episode here in 2020. So I love it, man. I'm honored. <laughs> I'm honored that I get to be a part of the first one. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to have some fun today. We'll, we'll talk football and faith and family. And, and I guess first off, how is the off season going for you kind of personally and, and, and what's it been like kind of since the end of the season? It's been good, man. It's been good. You know, just it's a quick transition from the end of the season to, you know, being at home every day. You know, it's it's kind of 
when the season ends early, right? It's kind of bittersweet. You watch. There's a lot of football left to watch, and you wish you were you wish you were playing. But there's nothing better than than waking up every morning and getting a chance to, you know, become a better a better father, a better husband, uh, a better leader, you know, uh, encourager in, in, inside of the home. So I think, you know, that's a, that's a big part of uh, of who I am, uh, of of what our family is about. Um, you know, so every morning that I get to wake up. Uh, you know, I get to take the kids to school and, you know, wake up with our 17-month-old and my wife and, you know, spend time together and, you know, just enjoy it. Enjoy it. Embrace it. Uh, that's a a big part of, of my life, a big reason why I'm here, why I sit in this chair, uh, you know, is because of them. And so, uh, you know, being able to honor them and love them, I think, is a, is a huge uh, a huge deal for me when the season's over. Get to be there every single day and, and see those moments and make those experiences because during the season you know i'm not i'm I'm up early you know mm-hmm. i'm home later in the afternoon weekends you know i'm away or even when we play at home i'm still you know not here on saturday nights and all that kind of stuff so uh it's been good man it's been good it's a good transition yeah because because what is that like during the season just your role as a a dad and husband and and it's less time, so how right. do you make the most of the the less time and being intentional during that less time, the, the less yeah. amount of time that you have available? Yeah, well, we t- you know we talked about it earlier, you know, before the show, and you know, as soon as I come home, usually around you know three o'clock, four o'clock, I got to be able to turn the switch on. Mm. You know, I got to be able to, I have to be able to adjust. And you know, the thing about being a father, thing about being a husband is they don't care about how hard your day was. <laughs> you know what they, what they care about is is your ability to be a dad, be a husband on command and be the best one that you possibly can be. Uh, you know, so when I come home at four o'clock, they expect me and I expect myself to, even if I have a hard day, be able to adjust and be the best dad that I possibly can be, do homework and help them and encourage them and, you know, teach them about certain things that are going on in school and listen and, you know, all of those things in such a short, short amount of time, I may not be able to get to spend the entire day with them, but I know that in the time that I do get to spend with them, if I make that impact, it'll feel like to them that I've been there the whole day. Mm. Right. And I think that's a huge part of my wife and I, the things that, that we want to do and what we want to accomplish as, as a, a mom and a dad, you know, just being able to, influence them in a positive way, encourage them, whether it's in school, whether it's with their friends, whether it's in sports or in after school activities, be there when you're there, be there and not Mm. just your body there, right? Mentally, emotionally, physically, everything there. Um, Show your investment in them is sometimes a hard thing to do when we come home, we're stressed, we had a bad day, you know, just because I'm, I play football doesn't mean I don't have bad days. And you know, we all have bad days. But like I said earlier, they don't care about that. They care about coming home and dad's home and dad and being fun and joyful. Absolutely, and, yeah. absolutely, and that's a huge and that's a huge part of it. You know that I'm not always the great. I'm not always the greatest at. Yep. You know when I fall short, oh, right? Yeah. I, I miss the mark all the time. But I, I know that I have somebody like my wife who's, who's also an encourager to me. Mm. You know, and when she knows that I miss the mark, it's just a quick reminder. Hey, look. They, they don't care about how hard practice was or, you know, <laughs> you getting yelled at because you didn't punt well or, you know, whatever it was, just be the best, best dad that you can be. And, 
No, that's a, that's a good good word, and and I think all of us can can relate to that. And and maybe we don't get the the, the nice off season that you guys get, where you sure. get extra time. Yeah. But it's not always about the the amount of time. It's Absolutely. it's the the quality of that that time that we spend with our kids. And so that's a that's a that's a good word. But it's cool that you do kind of get the off season to yeah. to get refreshed and and to be around a, a lot more. And and I know too that. You moved into a, a new house yep. relatively recently. Mm-hmm. How has that transition been? How much fun has that been? It's been great. It's been great. You know, our, our uh, old house, um, you know, we didn't have our uh, our backyard was kind of sloped, so the kids didn't really get to play out in the backyard much. It was more kind of in the front yard. And uh, finally we moved into a, a, a piece of land that's flat. And, um, you know, now we, during Christmas time, you know, we had – uh, you know, a trampoline now and, you know, the, a, a baby play area and a jungle gym for the baby and, you know, so much space now, oh, our, cool. you know, our, our middle sons always, especially if it's a nice day, does, it could be 20 degrees outside like it's been the past couple of days, but he's outside playing football with the neighborhood kids. I'm out there. I was out there for three hours yesterday <laughs> playing, playing two hand touch football with them, uh, playing all time quarterback, I you know, it. so it's, it, it's, it's been great. It's been great. Um, you know, we moved in in August. The move itself always is a little stressful, you oh, know, yeah. especially with three kids and baby and schedules and school and all that kind of stuff. But oh, so you did that right before the season. Oh yeah. Oh, you're oh nuts. yeah. Yeah, wow. it was. Yeah. Our, uh, it was right before, it was like the week before training camp started. Oh. Yeah, we closed on our house, and so it was as soon as we closed on our house, moving trucks were there, uh, furniture, just oh, yeah. just the whole nine, man. So it was it was stressful, but now that everything's kind of settled down, we're we're enjoying it. We love it. Oh, that's neat. I'm, I'm happy for you. Thanks, w- man. When you said, uh, oh, the house for, for Christmas, I thought you were going to say maybe you were Clark Griswold and you had lights all over your house, but yeah, not no, the no, case. No, 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 I don't, I I kind of made the executive decision. You know, sometimes you just got to be the, you know, you got to have some rationality uh, to you. But I made the executive decision that it was probably not the smartest idea during the middle of the season or towards the end of the season, I should say, uh, to get on top of a the yeah. roof and ladders to put Christmas lights up. So I stuck with kind of a, a smaller ladder, you know, kind of put on handrails and poles, you know, and then I kind of stuck with that and. Panthers fans are glad you did. That's good. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, uh, we'll talk more more family in, in a little bit, but we, we've got to talk about the uh, kind of a, a crazy off season for the Panthers because it just uh, it was a wild couple of weeks. Because even you know here locally, we're all excited hearing di- different changes to the coaching staff and, and all that's been going on with the the Panthers. But even nationally, I mean, it was like. Story number one, Panthers. Story yeah. number two, Panthers. For yeah. for a couple of days and and the last couple of weeks. So for for you as a a player with the team, what what has kind of the the last couple of weeks been like? And hearing the news of, of Matt Rule taking over, mm-hmm. what's the experience been like? Uh, it's been pretty crazy. You know, at the end of the season, you you try to decompress, all right? You know, and kind of everybody knows how the season went, and uh, you know, it's a it, as stressful as it is to watch, it's probably a lot more stressful to play and be a part of. And, you know, but the the last couple of weeks have been, I would say, probably as as news breaking for me as it is for everybody else. You know, I've, I've tried to stay away, uh, but I try also try to keep up, you know, so every news article that breaks when somebody else hears it, that's when I, you know, that's when I hear it. And so they're not sending a, a no, text they're to not, the team. no, 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 <laughs> if they are, it's not to the punter. Um, but uh, no, it's been, you know, it's everything I've heard about coach rule has been fantastic. 
I haven't heard one bad thing about him from former players to, um, you know, coaching staff. And, uh, you know, we, I'm, I'm super blessed and super fortunate that, you know, that he kept uh, Chase from, you know, from, co- from Ron's staff. You know, we're, we're super thankful for that. And special teams coordinator. Special, special teams coordinator. And I think that's, you know, somebody who's familiar with us and familiar with our styles and the way we do things and the way we operate. And, you know, I think Chase is an unbelievable coach. And every conversation that I've had with him, uh, he's had nothing but amazing things to say about Coach Rule and that, you know, we're going to love him. The players are going to love him. Uh, you know, he'll make guys run through brick walls. I think other guys have said that before. Uh, his former players have said that in college. I'm, I'm and, ready as a fan. Let's yeah, go. no, I and it, you know, and he, I watched his introductory press conference, and anybody who watched that probably felt the same way. Right. You know, I, I felt the same way, and it was, you know, he's a, he's an amazing speaker, and from what I've heard, he's an a, amazing encourager and influencer, and he's intense, but you know, he's loving and he's he's a good teacher, and you know, kind of the things that he said in his introductory press conference, you know, are things that we're you know we look forward to, you know, we look forward to, and I'm anxious. I'm anxious to meet him and, and get in there and, you know, kind of listen to him and pick his brain and, you know, interact with him and, um, you know, and kind of see this thing through, you know, hopefully for, for a long time. So now you've, I mentioned in your intro, you know, you were on a bunch of different teams before landing with the Panthers. And and so some of those were short stops, but you still got to see, you know, different head coaches around the league and different styles and and philosophies What's kind of your, I don't know, just understanding of, of what it takes to be a successful head coach in the NFL, what, what stands out to you, uh, how, how can so many guys be different, but what are the similarities that you feel translate to, to really make it work as a head coach in the NFL? Yeah, I think that's, that's a good question. I think a lot of guys would probably say at, at this level, you know, you got you got a bunch of grown men that are providing for either themselves or their families, and accountability is a huge thing. Mm. Accountability is a huge thing. Um, it uh, it earns the respect uh, of guys in the locker room. Um, you know, and and I think all all of us as professional athletes hold ourselves accountable. You know, we expect coaches to hold ourselves accountable, and I think when you have a a plan and a process that's put in place if you hold the guys that are accountable consistent no matter if you are the highest paid guy on the team or the lowest paid guy on the team if you hold them accountable for making sure that they hold themselves to the standard that you have set I think everybody looks at that and says hey you know what I'll go to bat for that guy Mm. that's how locker rooms stay together that's how you know coaching staffs stay together and um you know, I think you have a process, you have a plan, you put it in place. Holding guys accountable makes them buy into it. Mm. It makes them believe in it. it. Makes them believe it works. Well, because what's the alternative? Like, what what happens when there isn't accountability? Like, what does that look like? Um, I I think I think some guys tend to get a little frustrated. Meaning, guys are just getting away with not working hard or not playing hard, or is that? Yeah, I mean, Cause, there's cause we a, hear that word accountable accountability get thrown around, sure. and I think to to really understand what does that mean to to have it, but then what does it look like to not have it too? I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you know, I think if if you know if you're not holding yourself accountable and other guys aren't holding themselves accountable, right? You see it kind of a disconnect. You see mm-hmm. a little bit of a dysfunction, frustration, shifting blame. Right. Yeah. Right. And I think that's um, you know I think that ultimately is not 
what you want in the makeup of your team, especially especially at this level. You know, everybody's goal is Super Bowl. You know, and and anybody, and I've never I've never been, but anybody I've talked to that's been or, or played in or won it, it's not easy. You know, everybody holds each other accountable. You look at guys like you know, Tom Brady, right? The receiver doesn't run the route the right way. He's on him. Yeah. It's not because he doesn't like him, <laughs> right? right? It's because, hey, look, we have one goal in mind. This is our vision, right? I have to hold myself accountable. You have to hold yourself accountable. But I'm also going to hold you accountable to the things that you said you were going to do, right? And and you don't you don't want that that disconnect. You don't want that dysfunction. Um, you know, and I and I think it's with the ebbs and flows of a season and games, right? It's it's frustrating sometimes when you when you don't play well, perform well, especially when you feel like you've had a good week of practice, and you know. And sometimes sometimes those things happen. And so I think the difference between you know a locker room that has a lot of accountability and one that doesn't, I think you start to see even if there's moving pieces, the ones that are held accountable, they start to kind of climb the ladder, especially towards kind of the end of the season. So. Yeah, because I, I, mean, I think accountability translates outside of the locker room in, in you know, homes and yeah. friendships and relationships. and Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's, it's important and valuable. And, uh, yeah, it's good insight uh, in regards to that coming from the head coach and setting the tone Absolutely. for a culture of accountability, yeah. which, which is key. Because just keeping up with you know, NFL teams around the, the league – You'll hear some you know, rumblings of yeah, guys aren't being held accountable, and you can start to see teams unravel right. and, and that kind of thing. So that makes right. sense. Right. The other big uh, story, of course, uh, which is a, a bummer to hear as a, a fan, Luke Keekley retiring. Yeah. And and so was this a, a surprise to you? What was your initial response when, when you heard that news? And we've got his jersey hanging here in the studio. <laughs> yeah, I think everybody was surprised. To be honest with you, I mean, Luke is such a fan favorite and anybody who meets him and talks to him knows exactly, you know, why he's a fan favorite aside from the stuff that he does on the field. And and Luke's not a guy who's going to who's going to dive into a lot of personal information. And Hmm. and I don't I I don't know why he decided that he wanted to retire. But you know what? I'm I'm proud of him for deciding that at this point in his career, that's the direction that he wants to go. Like I said, anybody who knows Luke knows that he's not an irrational person. Mm. He doesn't make irrational decisions. He makes logical, rational decisions. And this is probably something that he's thought about for a while. I don't know how long mm. a, a while is, but it's probably something that he's thought about for a while. And he felt like at this point in his career, this is the, this is the path that he wanted to take. This is mm. the direction he wanted to go. And I'm proud of him for it. I texted him. And I told him that I was proud of him for it. Um, and I think a lot of guys are too. You know, I know, I know Greg, you know, said that that Luke's very at peace, you know, with the decision. And that's who Luke is. Yeah. You know, Luke is a clear thinker, a clear decision maker. And I know that, you know, if he wants to, he'll have a place in the organization to oh, yeah. to do something and uh, make an impact. And, and Luke can make impacts on the field. He can make impacts off the field. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I don't think – I think – I know people are sad to see him go, you know, because they love 59. They mm-hmm. love they love seeing him on the field. They love his intensity and and by no stretch of the imagination, you know, is he's he's the leader, you know, and and it's hard to replace guys like Luke, but I know that there's guys like Shaq and stuff that are going to step into his place and fill that role and have that kind of demeanor mm-hmm. and intensity to them. Cuz yeah, what was his role as a leader in the locker room 
What was that actually like? Because we see things yeah. you know, on, on the field or whatever, and you could tell, oh, that guy's a leader. Not only is he awesome as a player, but right. guys seem to respond to him. So we can see that on the outside looking in. But from, from your vantage point, mm-hmm. what made him a great leader? What did he bring to the locker room that will now be missed? Yeah, he's kind of, a, you know, contrary to popular belief, because on the field he's super vocal, and he has to be. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. he's basically the conductor, the general, the – I see it, you see it, I'm going to let you know, like, it, you know, everything that you see, like, in his mic'd up videos, that's that's <laughs> that's how he is on the field, he's intense, he's aggressive, he plays downhill, and he's smart, and, but off the field, he's quiet, mm. but he leads, and there's other, there's so many different ways ways to be a leader, absolutely, so many different ways to be a leader, and, you know, and, and Luke is not the, the rah-rah guy, he's not the guy who, get, who gets up in front of the team and gives motivational speech, speeches, oh, he's not, okay, no, he's not, yeah. he's not, yeah. he's not that kind of guy, You'll see him every single day in the weight room working out. A guy who takes a beating every single week, every single game, who plays aggressive every single game, he doesn't take reps off. He he practices the same way. He prepares the same way. He he takes young guys and he says, Hey, look, this is what I see. This is what on the you know, on the defensive side, he's encouraging to me, right? Hmm. I, I make I'm I make a big punt, right? Punt inside the five, whatever it is. Everybody's all fired up about it. The first person to come out and 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 say, you know, that he's proud of me or, hey, man, that's awesome, is Luke. Wow, that's neat. Right? And so you see that and leading by example and guys follow, mm. right? You know, and uh, he's always an encourager. He's not a throw the guy, throw anybody under the bus kind of guy. He takes responsibility. And those are the facets of, of Luke's game especially off the field that um it make it, it makes an impact on everybody's career mm-hmm. and everybody's life you know and even if you don't play defense you know and That's neat. F- for me for me it was that way you know always walking by me and saying what's up and hey mike how you, you know how you doing or you know my kids love them oh, you know cool. we we go you know the night before game we go to you know church and you know in the hotel and my kids and my wife come and you know, Luke's always saying what's up to him, giving him high fives, and Greg's the same way. You know, like, it's just, it's that type of persona mm. that Luke has, guys like Greg have, that make them amazing, as amazing off the field as they are on the field. Gosh. No, it's awesome to hear, and, and it, it, it makes you reflect and go, wow, we're, we're thankful to, to have had him in Charlotte with the Panthers for, you know, these last, what, eight, eight nine years. Yeah. Um, and so it's sad to see him go, but... I. It seems to to be that there there will be a spot for him and, and he'll stay connected in, in some way. Yep. So we'll definitely be be rooting for that. Well, well, let's go back a, a little bit to the the season, and it, it, you know, definitely was a disappointing season, a tough season. But the one of the key moments, of course, was Ron Rivera mm-hmm. getting fired, and you know, midway through the year, and and so what was your response to that? How surprised were you? And how did how did you handle that whole situation? Yeah, I think there's because he gave that. you your chance. He, yeah, he, he, no, yeah, no, without without a doubt, you know, he believed in me along with along with a lot of other people and guys like Luke had said it too. You know, he he believed in Luke just like he believed in me, and he gave me an opportunity, he allowed me to work through some growing pains and you know experience certain things. And you know, there's always chatter about things that people hear, and you know, but we were we were all surprised. It was sad. Mm. You know, it was sad. It's such a, you know, impactful person within the organization, but more so within the community and the city of Charlotte. I know how much time coach Rivera invested in 
us and his family and his job and the community and people loved him, mm-hmm. you know, and, and everybody that talked about when he got fired, yeah. they talked about how amazing of a person he was aside from the football stuff, because I think the impact that he had made in people's lives off the field was far greater than his success on the field. Mm. He always allowed us to be men. And if there was a family issue, he allowed us to handle it. And he, he understood it wasn't, hey, football over everything, right? It was family first. And that's the way he approached every day. That's the way he approached his relationships with his players. You know, he cared about our family. He, you know, when when our baby was being born during training camp, I missed four days of practice, three days of practice, you know, because, you know, stuff that had gone on in the hospital mm. and, and allowed me to be there without making me feel bad for wanting to be there. Oh, that's cool. You know, and I think those those types of memories on top of guys that played in, you know, NFC championship games and and won the division with him and going to Super Bowl 50 and all of those things, they remember the stuff off the field more than they do on the field. So I think it hurt a lot of people, but we understand why. Mm. Yeah. I think at some point, right, everybody's got to understand why we, we understood that it was a possibility, not Mm -hmm. that it was going to happen, but it was a possibility. Yeah. You know, and that's just something that happens and, you know, guys get cut, coaches get fired, you know, and, and we've got to, adjust and we've got to move on and we've got to it's just the way it goes so yeah I thought it was special that rarely do you hear when a head coach gets fired just the outpouring of positivity about the coach yeah because I mean we we love John Fox here in Carolina but that final year was so bad it was two and 14 season that he didn't necessarily get the due that he probably was due right um whereas it seemed like ron rivera i mean just the way he left it was just very you know positive just in whether it was media members or fans or players or former players uh just speaking so highly of him and i thought that said a lot about him and and to your point too sometimes this happens in the league and i I think about andy Reid. you know he had a nice career in philadelphia oh yeah but it just kind of was time for him to, to move on from Philadelphia. And what happened? He got scooped up right away. Kansas City got him. Yeah. And he hasn't had a losing season in Kansas City. And so Rivera is still a great coach. That's why the Redskins went and got him. And it's exciting for the Panthers because now they get a fresh start, a new new head yeah. coach. And yeah. um, and that's just kind of how it, how it goes sometimes. So. Yeah, and for, you know, and for Coach Rivera, it's the same thing. You know, Coach Rivera gets a new start. And he, yeah. You know, and we all, at, you know, at some point, in our careers, whether it's coaching, whether it's on the you know on the field as a player, we have to assess a season or a career, or hey, what things worked, what things didn't work. Let's carry it over into next year, or you know, on a for Coach Rivera on a different team. And I th- and and knowing how smart and intellectual Coach Rivera is, he'll probably do the same thing. Mm-hmm. He'll assess and say, hey, you know what, this really worked in my tenure. This didn't work. So, you know, let's build on the things that worked and maybe change some of the things that didn't work. Or, And we all do that, right? I mean, we all professionally have to do those certain things, those things sometimes, you know. But, yeah, it was it was sad. And, and, and I respect a lot that Mr. Tepper allowed Coach Rivera to do a press conference at the end. That was big and rare, too. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which some which some people don't see, but I think that speaks volumes of our owner mm-hmm. to show even in the midst of you know what some people would look at as you know a tragedy and and 
the end of something that was so special that Carolina Panther fans loved and were a part of and, and bought into for so long allowed him to say a goodbye the way that he wanted to do it, you know, and, um, and I thought that that was really special. I think that spoke volumes of who Mr. Tepper is as well and how much compassion and, and sympathy and empathy he has for, for Coach Rivera, you know, during during that time because he knew it was tough. So, Yeah, and it just, from my perspective, it just seemed like the, the decision was more about a timing, fresh start type of thing for everyone involved. And, uh, yeah, it wasn't a personal thing. Like, no. oh, Ron can't coach. He's out of here. That was never the feeling. Or, yeah. And, yeah, it makes makes sense. So uh, now everybody gets a, a fresh start, and there's something yeah. special about that. So, uh, lots, lots, a lot going on with with the Panthers, and just kind of a a, a change of the guard, and and you know, think about guys like Luke Keekley re- retiring, and 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 Ron Rivera leaving. So it, it, it's it's yep. a it's a wild time for sure. But yep. you're you're right in the middle of it, and and so going back though to last season, and and with it being a a challenging season. What was it like for for you and some of the guys that you know are part of Bible studies and and, and guys that you know want to lean on each other in a you know a deeper way? Yeah. When when things are tough, how was your faith challenged? How did you guys you know rely on the Lord, rely rely on each other uh, during during last season's kind of difficulty? Yeah, um, you know we had uh, we had Bible study uh, every Saturday morning before our team meeting. Gerald McCoy led it. JJ Jansen led it. And, you know, there were a number of guys like myself who were, who were in there, you know, and sometimes in, in the midst of, of those emotional, mental tough times, you know, I think the, the way that you express yourselves for me personally, the way I express myself in the locker room, I tried to show myself as somebody who could be a light in maybe somebody else's darkness mm. when guys struggled with stuff on the field and wasn't going well or they weren't playing well. And, you know, myself included, right. You, you always want to find that person who the Lord just kind of shines through them to you. Mm. And you always want to be that person and you always want to have that person. And I think in the locker room, there's, there's so many guys that day in and day out, they just, they have that persona about them. They have that uh, that personality that you can walk up to them and you can open up to them and you can talk to them. Or, or even us being able to recognize when somebody's struggling, being mm. able to go up to them and say, "Hey, look, is there anything that I need?" Mm. And it's not necessarily making them do something they don't want to do or say something they don't want to say, but offering your your help or your guidance or you know anything that the Lord may speak to me about that I can give to somebody else. That's good. It may not be beneficial to me or it may not apply to me at that time, but it may apply to somebody else. Yeah. And I think that guys like Gerald and JJ and Colin Jones and, and, and Luke and all, all the guys that are on, on the team that are leaders, that are captains, that are, they just stand out. They stand mm. out in a room, mm. um, you know, are guys that you need when you go through seasons like we went we went through last year yeah. um every i believe every locker room needs those handful of guys and and hopefully it grows into you know a handful now two handfuls and and then it starts to spread right mm. and, and and we're all called to be disciples and 
and, and some people are very receptive of it mm. and some people aren't. Yeah. But instead of trying to push it, just know, hey, look, you know what? Sometimes we just need a listening ear. Sometimes we need somebody to, to vent to. And I think there's a lot to be said about that. Mm. You know, in a locker room, you, th- you think, oh, you know what? This guy's in here. He's just trying to make money and he's then he's going to go home to his family. And but it's not like that. And, mm. and what makes what makes the Panthers locker room so amazing is that there's probably not one person inside of that locker room that doesn't like another person or that isn't hasn't talked to or cares about their family or you just we don't you don't see that Mm. you don't see that at all you see you see cohesiveness you see guys that love each other that love their families that are laughing or they're talking Mm. or and I think everybody needs that I think every locker room needs that um and and I'm super fortunate and blessed to to be a part of a locker room that has that and those types of character guys because it's made such an impact on my life when I've struggled on and off the field guys that I feel like I can be able to talk to so well that that says a lot too about the the team uh, because all right the the wins weren't there this year right some some tough losses some surprising losses all that that sort of thing but but to hear you say hey this is a team that still likes each other there are good relationships in that locker room the way I hear that is, hey, it doesn't mean that now all of a sudden, oh, the Panthers lost some games. You get rid of everybody and you start totally over. And, oh, you know, there's there's a there's a sense of, oh, there's kind of a rebuilding going on. It's a new head coach and Luke Keekley retires. But you look at a team like the San Francisco 49ers who had four wins last year, but they were building something solid. The core was there. They had some injuries that they dealt with. And now they're in the Super Bowl. They get their oh, yeah. quarterback back and that, and that kind of thing. So you have a similar type of hope and belief in hey the the chorus here we we love what the atmosphere here is the con- the continuity that that we've established over the years right. is that what I'm I'm kind of hearing you say I guess oh yeah absolutely and and trust me there's no there's no one person that's in that locker room that doesn't feel the same frustration as any of the other fans on the outside looking in you know we we are all super competitive we all want to win. We play the game to win. We play the game because we love the game. And I think when you don't and you don't win and maybe sometimes you're, oh, man, we're, we're this close, right? Oh, we, it was this play or whatever it was, we're going to experience it. You know, everybody's going to experience the frustration and the hard times and the struggles. The, oh, man, I, I was almost there, but I just missed it. Mm. We all miss the mark, right? And whether it's professionally, whether it's – in our own, you know, relationships and our marriages and our relationships with our children, whatever it is, we all miss the mark. But that doesn't mean that we just give up on everybody else that, you know, that goes through the same things or we all we all want to feel, hey, you know what, I got your back. No mm-hmm. matter what you're going through in your life, no matter what you're going through on the field or, you know, whatever it is in, in corporate world or whatever it is, I got your back. I'm here for you. It's OK. Right. We'll, we'll, we'll go through this together. And that's and that's what our locker room has done, mm. you know. And it's not this guy's not doing this, so you know what? I'm not going to play with him because none none of those guys in that locker room are like that. And I believe wholeheartedly that we do have the core, whatever core is left. That's not my decision to yeah. make. Yeah. But we do have those kind of high character guys inside of our locker room that I believe have will continue to make an impact in people's lives on and off the field. Um you know, whatever the coaching decision, you know, whatever they choose is, is personnel wise is their decision. Um, but I've I've seen more guys gravi- 
gravitate towards one another throughout this past season, I think, than I have before. Hmm. Um, and cool. I and I think there's something to be said about that. Well, and I think too. Okay, Luke Keekley's not going to be there as a, a player anymore, but his impact's still there. Absolutely. The the you know playing alongside Shaq Thompson for these last few seasons, he now hands off you know the reins to him. Shaq was able to watch Luke for yeah. and, and and hopefully follow suit and all that kind of thing. And right. whether Gerald McCoy comes back or not, if or, or if it was just a one year kind of situation the impact that he was able to have on guys and on that young defensive line and some of those other players that got an opportunity this year because of injuries and, and that kind of thing. So yeah. um, that, that's, that's a cool perspective to hear. And, and for you uh, personally, football-wise, how do you evaluate your season? What do you look for? What, what stats do you consider? Right. And, and when you look back at the 2019 season, what's kind of your uh, evaluation of yourself? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, ultimately you look back at the season, you think of, I'm my, I'm my toughest critic, you know, right. and I'm always, I'm, I'm always super hard on myself, and I always feel like, even if, even if somebody else is like, oh man, he played a great game, there's always something that I feel like I didn't do well, right? I, and, and I'm always going to be like that. That's just how I am. It's my competitive instinct. I've been that way since I was a little boy, you know. But I think anybody who looks at the the season as a whole, right? They always come back to games like Atlanta. We gave up our first punt return for a touchdown mm. since I've been here. We go back to Indianapolis. We gave up two punt returns for a touchdown. Obviously, that leaves a very sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. My, my myself included. Yeah. That's not a fun thing to be a part of, right? You don't want to be on the rec- the receiving end of it, right? You want to be on the one that's scoring the touchdown. That's right, right. But I think when you assess the season as a whole, we've had we've had so many guys, so many moving parts, so many injuries, so many guys playing that have done an amazing an amazing job at being able to adjust to positions that they wouldn't normally play. You know, I think there was I said to you earlier there was 20 maybe 25, 24 guys. I don't know how many it was. I couldn't I can't tell you for sure that you know, we're on our roster at the end of the season, you know, on our active roster at the end of the season that weren't even with us in training camp. I mean, that's a crazy number. Right. It's yeah. you know, and that's a you know, well, that's 20 or more is yeah. Sure, without a doubt, you know, and and a lot of a lot of the things that happen um, you know, I always take I always take responsibility for the bad things, and I try to push the good things on everybody else that has made a lot of amazing plays. Mm. Um, you know, so I'm like I said, I'm my I'm my toughest critic. And when I look back at the season, you know, I look at from a punting perspective, we always say that your gross average mm. is a reflection on you as a punter. Mm. Your net average is a reflection on the team, the punt coverage team as a whole, mm. right? So there's there's so many, and I think any guy who played on the punt team this year that would sit in this chair would probably say the same thing, right? We let a lot of people down. Mm. And it could be from from start from my punt to coverage to missed tackles to whatever it is, and, and we're all a part of it, you know? And I, But there were some amazing parts, right? There were some really good, you know, I remember – uh, the the Titans game we went out to punt late in the late in the game we hit a, a a shorter a shorter field punt kind of the the plus fifty punt you know down inside the five it made them go nine have to go ninety six yards or however many yards it was to be able to score to yeah it, you know so like there's so many of those plays that are you know that are there the the last game of the year you know our coverage team was was playing against an all pro punt returner in the Saints mm. um, he he's amazing. 
right? And normally people are like, oh, you know what? Don't punt it to him, right? Hit it all. But our coverage team was the last game of the year was unbelievable, was amazing, making tackles and, you know, against a fin- you know, finishing strong. So I think you just got these ebbs and flows of the season. Unfortunately, we were on, on the receiving end of, of three punt returns for a touchdown, which is never fun, you know, and it's super frustrating as a as a punter. Mm-hmm. You know, because I I always look at it and say, you know what, there's always something that I could have done differently. You know, hitting the ball out of bounds or, you know, whatever it is. But I think assessing the year as a whole, it was okay. Yeah. You know, it it was okay. Definitely need definitely need to be better. Definitely need to, you know, take those experiences, those those experiences in the game and know that if that situation comes up next time, how to how to do something different. You know. Absolutely. So and and I think I think we all do that. I think that's that makes a professional professional. So, well, we got to talk about the highlight of the year, the fourth and ten, yep. and caught pass first down, yep. and and so you're a former quarterback, so you you made the throw and you got yep. you got fired up, but yeah. then it kind of got uh, doused on because uh, yeah, right. Hines ran two back that game. Yeah, but yep. how fun was that for you to make a make a throw and get the first down? Yeah, it was fun. It was it was a lot of fun. I always. I always look for opportunities like that. Um, you know, that's kind of a, a a facet of the game that you know sometimes is is a little underrated. Um, you know, if you have a team that can successfully run fakes, you know, it it kind of puts it kind of puts the punt return team on the other side on their on their heels a little bit. Oh yeah, you know, and and they play a little bit more conservative, which as a punter you want. You don't want them to play aggressive. You want them to play a little more conservative. Why? Because to feel comfortable back there punting allows you to get off kind of the best quality punt that you possibly can get. You don't want to be super aggressive because then you try to rush things. You try to rush things, you don't you don't hit a great punt. So, you know, it's kind of this this cat and mouse game that you play sometimes. Um, you know, and finally we were able to find the right situation and, and get one called and execute. And DeAndre White made a great catch because I underthrew it a little bit. He made a great catch and uh, got the first down. But like you said, it kind of got it kind of got masked by – everything else that happens. So, uh, but hopefully there's, there's more of those to, to come. We in the saw, future. we saw the quarterback skill. So we got, got to see some more fake punts. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm just, now I got to try to work on maybe my 40 speed. So That's maybe, right. Maybe, maybe try to get a, a run and a throw, you know, at least maybe once in my career. So there you go. That'd be, that'd be <laughs> sweet too. Well, but not to dwell on those, uh, returns right. for your, what's your tackling approach? It's always it's always tough because you're the last man. Yeah, it's it's kind of tough because you you know you kind of want to you want to try to get yourself in the best position. I mean, these guys are so dynamic, you know, and you don't realize it until you're actually out there, and it's just kind of a quick instinctual, you know, reaction. But I think you you know sometimes you your side the sidelines your best friend, and if they're near the sideline, all you got to do is just kind of knock them knock them off balance and, and knock them out of bounds. Uh, sometimes it's just hard to do. These returners are they vary in sizes, true. You know, vary in weight and speed and agility. You know, their quickness and you know what you don't want is right in the middle of the field and you know you're the only one by yourself. But you know, usually, you know, I I try to at least try to slow them down or try to you know knock knock their legs. You know, or go go to their feet, dive low, or you know, that's kind of if I can. But sometimes I just got to make them slow down and go one direction because I know I've got guys coming fast, you know, to make the tackle. So uh, it's just it's tough. It's a tough. Well, and it's tough for us to think like, come on, the punter's got to make the stop. <laughs> like it's just 
that's not that's not what you're practicing every day. Yeah, and that's it's, yeah, it's a lot to expect. Yeah, I mean, I've I've so. I've made you know I've made plenty of tackles in my day, unfortunately, but you know that's a part of it that that sometimes you just you know you got to do you got to be willing to sacrifice your body and you know that's how I tore my labrum a couple a couple years ago trying to uh. tackle Marcus Sherrill's for the Vikings and uh. you know and I tripped him up and he got tackled but I ended up tearing my labrum you know so it's just kind of one of those things that. You don't want to do, but sometimes you got to. Now, yeah, part part of the deal. Well, well, let's uh, let's shift gears a, a little bit and 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 talk about your faith. And and you've been on the the show before and, and really shared uh, your testimony. And and so people can check out uh, that interview. Just just search on our website unpackingit.com, and and you can catch up on on that. But would love to just kind of hear about what God is doing in your life right now. Maybe some things that that you've learned personally and we were talking earlier you like to listen to, to tony evans yeah. I'm, re- I'm reading a book by by the pastor uh right now um but but just some things that, that have been on on your heart that, that you'd yeah. be willing to to share with us today yeah i think uh you know for myself personally and and uh and my wife you know there's just like you assess when it comes to sports and football and your professional career you always assess you know your success or lack thereof sometimes and you try to say okay what can i do the same what can i do different Right now, at this time uh, of the season, I have you know I have a lot of downtime. I have a lot of time where you know I'm not worried about football. I'm not thinking about practice and games and getting myself mentally prepared for that. But I have to do the same and take the same concepts into my home. Mm. I always have to make sure, and I always want to make sure that I'm working as hard at being a husband and a father as I am being a punter. Mm. And sometimes we we get those mixed up or in reverse order. We care so much about our professional career that we forget to work hard at home as well. And I've said earlier, you know, we all miss the mark. And what God has allowed me to do is he's given me this time to really reflect on what I need to do as a husband and as a father to set the right example to lead my family, bring my family, my children, my wife, our marriage, my relationship with my children, her relationship with our children closer to God. He always presents those opportunities, even for people who may not believe in him or may not trust in him or, or maybe kind of teeter-tottering on the line or searching. Yeah. I, I think he, I think he always will present those opportunities to us. And it could be through somebody else. It could be through a book. It, I think he is trying to get me to search more. Mm. I think he wants me to search more. I think he wants me to find more answers to the questions that I have and the things that I hold myself responsible for inside of my family and inside of my home. You know, so I've I've been trying to I've been trying to read more, mm. uh open up my Bible more, be more intentional. Yeah. with with seeking him. Mm. Seeking what he wants out of me and expects out of me. You know, there's been, there've been a few people who, uh, you know, I've had conversations with that have, you know, talked to me about, uh, Ephesians five, mm. uh, talked about the, the, the role of a husband and a wife, you know, and, and, and their relationship between Christ and the church. And it's just those small times that you look at it and you say, that wasn't an accident. He's trying to get me to bring somebody closer to him. 
Mm. It could be my wife. It could be my children. It could be somebody else. Mm. You know, I think sometimes on the surface for people who, you know, like myself sometimes who, who read the words in the Bible and on the surface they, they look like they mean, a, mean something, but what they're actually saying is something different and something else. And there's such a deeper meaning to it when you dive, when you dive in and you go seek it out. You know, and you, you unpack it. it and you unpack it. There here we go. I see what you did there. Um, <laughs> yeah. And you unpack it and you and you you kind of break it apart. And some people some people don't realize it. And some people don't know it until it's explained to them or until it's brought to their attention. And they're like, wow, you know what? I never knew that. It's powerful stuff. Now, let me go look. Right. And immediately all you did was you just you you took somebody's attention. And brought it to God. Mm. It could be for a couple minutes. But that's it's an impact in itself. Mm. Um, so I think for me, ultimately I'm trying to just, I'm trying to learn new ways to be the best husband, the best follower, the best leader and disciple that, that I possibly can be. And it could be through a number of channels, Yeah, you know? And, um, you know, so it's, it's, uh, it's not always easy. It's not always easy. It takes discipline. It it takes a lot of discipline. It takes a lot of, a lot of humility yeah, a lot of humility to be able to sit there and say, "Hey, you know what? I just don't know. I don't have all the answers. I don't have all yeah. the answers, yeah. and and I don't. I don't yeah. have all the answers. Yep. I wish I did, <laughs> but you know, I I don't. You know, and my wife teaches me a lot. You know, and and there's certain things that you know now that our older two are getting older in school, they're going through things in their life. They're going mm. through social things, and they're Ooh. going through you know changes in their body and in their minds, and you know spiritually and mentally and things that that they think are important, but they're not important. And it's just, it's an opportunity to encourage them, mold them and give them the type of resources and tools that I have access to that they expect somebody like me to give to them, that God expects me to give to them. Man, no, that's such a good word because we've got to continue to, you know, seek knowledge and wisdom rooted in God's word from him so that we can then handle the circumstances that we deal with and and come alongside those that are going through different situations like our kids Absolutely. that are experiencing things and to be able to to have the right wisdom to know you know when to speak up when to listen oh, yeah. when to discipline them oh, yeah. when to you know show them grace all those kinds of things but if but if we're not seeking the lord's guidance and wisdom we're trying to do it in our own strength our own understanding we're a lot more likely to make mistakes and and you yeah. know miss out on opportunities. But but man, I'm encouraged by you to say, hey, let, let's continue to seek that knowledge because it's available to us. God wants to walk alongside us as we walk alongside others and right. and encounter our own circumstances and difficulties and challenges and all that sort of thing. So yeah, and it's you know, and it's not and it, it it's not easy, right? You know, if it was easy, everybody would do it. And it's just <laughs> it's just not right. I mean. We all get influenced by culture, and we get influenced by selfish things, self, yeah. and distractions, and yeah, you know. I mean, I think I think back to Genesis. I think back to original sin, right? I think back to being born selfish by nature, mm-hmm. you know. And we all and we all are right, and we all feel like we have all the answers sometimes, and we feel like we know, and we feel like we have the right wisdom. But it's opposite of God's intention for us, and mm-hmm. I and the more we understand, we got to be able to admit it. Yeah. Right. We got to be able to sit there and say, you know what? I miss them. I miss the mark. Um, you know, and it's fun. It, it's it's funny because my wife and I, um, you know, she's she she reads her her own 
uh, books and and devotions, and we talk about it. And you know, I'm I'm in the middle of reading the Gospels, and and I did some some research on the word sin, hmm. and sin is an old archery term. Yeah, basically in archery, you have a target, and if you miss the target, they yell out whoever's by the the target. They yell out sin, and then a number. Hmm. So meaning how far you are from the target. Hmm. And I think that that's amazing, right? Hmm. I think it's amazing to to look at that analogy and that that picture of how much we actually do miss the mark, hmm. right? Because of sin, right? Our ability to say that we've missed the mark shows humility. That's right. Being able to forgive ourselves and know that God forgives us as long as we seek his forgiveness, being that that will trickle down into being able to forgive others. Right. Show other others grace, show others mercy and what that actually looks like. And I think, you know, sometimes sometimes all people all people want is is just to see it. They may not necessarily need to hear it, but to see what grace looks like. Hmm. You know? And I think the biggest one as a father is being able to forgive your kids for making irrational decisions <laughs> that we wouldn't normally make ourselves, but our expectations as parents, our expectations are are little irrational people and expecting them to make rational decisions. It's <laughs> good. Right? And we right. and we get upset. Yeah. And it's like, how can you make that decision? Right? You're you're supposed to do this, this, and this, but we gotta be able to assess the situation and say, and you know what? They're, they're only eight, nine. That's right. Right. How can we expect them to make a rational decision if they're irrational yeah. at, by nature at this point in their lives? So, you know, and again, we all miss the mark and I miss the mark. And sometimes I'm, I'm quick to frustration and I'm quick. And, and that's why we, I have people like my wife to sit there and say, hey, you know what? Why don't you try this? Mm. Try doing this. Right. Try it this way and see what you get. Mm. See what the result is. It's and it's and it's and it's amazing because it doesn't take a thirty-minute lecture to realize. It takes a quick reminder from my wife to say, "Hey, you know what? This is who our child is. Whoever we're talking, whatever we're doing, and this is how they respond to things. Mm. And this is what they do well. This is what they don't do well. So maybe try doing this." And I know that's not her wisdom. It's God's wisdom, and it's and He's speaking through her to me. Ah. Good. And it's super, and it's super impactful. It's super powerful, and we all we all miss the mark, man. Yeah, and that's and that's why we rest in God's grace, and and it's just another uh, yeah reminder when we do fall short, our need for Jesus, our our need uh, for His forgiveness, and and so it's so encouraging that we can go to Him and He cleanses us, and it's just that that humility though that you speak of of, of just acknowledging I am broken, I am I, I do miss the mark, but but I desire to seek after you. I desire to continue to grow and mature and, yeah. and develop in my, my faith and my reliance on you. And, and, and I try doing it on my own. I start slipping up and I, I do make mistakes and, and yeah. God's there to, to forgive us and, and we rest in it, in him. And so you talk about as a father, yeah, he's looking at us as, uh, you know, as our heavenly father, that same way saying, come on, you got it. I know you're, I know you're still learning. I know you're still growing. Oh yeah. You'll you'll get it. Let's oh, yeah. let's keep let's keep going. So. Oh yeah, the same the same grace that he shows us and mercy he shows us on a day to day basis is is the same grace and mercy that we are expected to show not only our children but but everybody. Yeah. Um, a hard a hard thing hard <laughs> thing to do. It is definitely a hard yeah. thing to do. But 
you know, I'm learning and I want to learn and I, and I, it's important for me to learn, you know, and I, and I, I don't want to let ego or arrogance get in the way of, of striving to become the best that I possibly can be in every facet of my life. Yeah. We have the tools, we have the resources to go find it. Yeah. You know, and, and it's just our willingness to be able to go do it. That's right. And to rely on his power in us to enable us to, to do that and continue to, to grow. So, ma'am, no, that's a great word. And, uh, maybe we'll, we'll end it right there and we we could talk all day, but maybe we'll, uh, (laughs) we'll have to do do this again. And so, uh, man, appreciate you being here in the studio today and, and hanging out and talking football and faith and man, I'm excited for, uh, yeah, the upcoming season and just kind of this this new look Panthers, but yep. we'll at least know that hey, number five back there, we can count on count on number five. So yeah, I hope I hope so. Keep I, I hope other people who are listening feel feel the same way. That's all, absolutely, man. <laughs> I'm always I probably used to uh, leave during a pun or whatever. Now it's oh, here comes Mike. Na- let's go na- naturally. Yeah. Let, let's, oh, hey, that's all right. It's, <laughs> it's the same. Go. It's like an intermission in hockey, right? You know, you just kind of. Walk out and go to the bathroom or something. Ah, it's not a big deal. But you know, hopefully, hey, look, we you know, a punt can be an impactful play. Oh, you know, big time. And it's um, you know, and I hope, I hope we get more opportunities. Um, you know, to be more aggressive with some of you know our our thinking and um, you know, the way that we approach game situations and you know, take advantage of certain looks and schemes and you know. But I know that you know, no matter what. That doesn't change the things that I do, the way I prepare. You know, ultimately, at the end of the day, it's 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 the same thing. It's the same way, and you know, I hope eventually it gets to a point where people are on the edge of their seat. You know, when yeah. when it's time to, when it's time to punt, whether it's making a big play of you know a punt downside the five or the out of bounds or a muff punt or you know big time punt flipping the field or a fake, you know, whatever for whatever reason. It's yeah, you know, I found that I I get a lot of excitement from the pin inside the five. Yeah. Like it's, it's such a, so yeah, credit to you. That's such a skillful thing to do. And it requires the guys to get down there to grab it and know, know, you know, when to touch it down and all that kind of thing, but to get it there versus, you know, starting on the two versus starting on the 20 is a, a big deal. Oh, it's a big difference. I mean, you're talking about 18 yards worth of worth of field position and, and even in penalties too. I mean, he could Yeah. you know, I mean, he could fair catch it on the 10, but you know, if it's a if it's a holding on the return team, right? That's half the distance to the goal, you're starting at the 5. I mean, that's a percentage-wise, that's a huge difference. Changes the offensive the coordinator's play calling and how aggressive he is and it's the just threat of a sa- uh, safety. So, yeah, yeah no, yeah. it's uh it's a fun play. So, yeah. He's your Carolina Panthers punter, Michael Pilardi, with us here on the Unpacking It Charlotte podcast. Be sure, be sure to check out our website, unpackingit.com. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, be sure to do so. Uh, it's, it's everywhere podcasts are found. And, and then also, if you haven't subscribed to the weekday email devotional that we call Unpack This, uh, you can also subscribe to that on unpackingit.com. Each weekday, I send out a quick thought about sports, faith, and life. It takes a current sports story, relates it to the Bible, and it's designed to encourage uh, all of us e- each day. So check that out. And then also, February 1st, the Super Saturday Man Breakfast with LeVon Kirkland, Corey Miller, and Andy Lee. We'd love to see you join us at that unpackingit.com slash super saturday have a wonderful rest of your day thanks for listening and we will talk to you next time right here on the unpacking it 
Charlotte podcast. For more information about the show, our Charlotte area events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. This has been the Unpacking It Podcast. Look for new podcast content in the days ahead.